Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for Session 146 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Today, we're digging into some of the challenges of being a Black woman physician. For this conversation, I was joined by Dr. Tosin Odunsi. Dr. Odunsi is an OBGYN who has had a non-traditional path to becoming a physician. After graduating from Cornell University in 2008, she started her master's degree in public health at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She went on to start medical school at Meharry Medical College in Nashville, Tennessee, and completed her MPH between her second and third year. Subsequently, she graduated from Meharry in 2014. Dr. Odunsi and I discussed her experiences in medical school, some of the microaggressions she's experienced as a physician, how she takes care of her mental health, and she shared tips for other sisters considering medical school. If you hear something while listening that resonates with you, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBG in session. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Odunsi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. So we have lots of Black women physicians who are a part of our audience. They are always in the comments when they have free time. So I'm really happy to chat with you today just about some of your experiences as a Black woman physician. And so can you talk first about maybe some of the challenges that you've had thus far in your career? Sure. I think that's a good question. And of course, all of our experiences are different, but there are certainly some themes that I've had. So if I go back to medical school, there were some challenges academically. And I guess with this feeling of being enough and deserving to even be on the path of becoming a physician, because in college, my pre-medical advisor basically told me (laughs) that maybe medicine wasn't the right path for me and discouraged me from pursuing medicine based on my GPA and my grades at that time. After my first year of college, I had a 2.7 GPA. So she wasn't very encouraging. And with the support of my family, I continued to pursue the pre-medical route. And even with academic challenges, was able to get into medical school. But there was always that feeling in the back of my mind that I, I didn't necessarily deserve to, to be here, which may be a common issue that a lot of Black physicians have, that imposter syndrome. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like I have heard lots of black women have a very similar story, right? Like of being advised against trying for medical school or, you know, someone kind of early in their life talking about the fact that maybe this might not be the best route for them. Right. right. So I think that that probably happens more often than we even maybe are aware of. Absolutely. And it's, it's so unfortunate because there's so much potential in our community to become Black physicians and we need more of us out there. Mm-hmm. So maybe that is a place to start just like even before some of the challenges, like after becoming a physician, but the challenges maybe even in undergrad and through your med school training. And maybe are there any tips that you have for someone who's maybe interested in pursuing medical school and like not quite sure of how to manage the process? Sure. So the number one thing that I'm passionate about is mentoring those that are coming behind me. And I think it's so important to have somebody who looks like you, who's doing what you want to do, because if you don't see it, then you may think it's unattainable or not able to be achieved. So definitely getting a mentor. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what specialty or what field, or if you don't even know if you want to become a physician, it's important to have a mentor who you can talk to about how you're feeling, what your plans are. So that would be number one. Some of the challenges that I faced during medical school and residency was I did have to repeat my board certification exams every single one. So step one, step two, and step three. And I think that a lot of it came from personal issues going on at the time. And then also this test anxiety, just like how I talked about that feeling of not being enough from an early age. I remember AP calculus in high school, just having a lot of difficulty in that class and that perpetuated and followed me with subsequent important exams that I had to take. So test anxiety may be an issue that others face as well. A lot of my mentees have that test anxiety and there's no shame in getting help. So I encourage my mentees to go to office hours, meet with the professor, make sure that they know your name. So I spent a lot of time going to my professor's office just to verbally go through concepts and topics and they know you and they understand how hard you're trying. And they may also give tips on what they're going to ask on the exam. The third thing that I would say is to definitely have enough emotional support. My family and I were very close. So with each of the challenges that I had to face, they were my cheerleaders. They would remind me of who I am and tell me the truth when I had all these thoughts saying, no, you can't do it. So whether it's close friends or family, you need that support system, that community that will build you up when you're not feeling so great. You know, as you're talking, I'm just listening to, you know, because I think sometimes people think like you get to med school and then like that is the last hurdle. But clearly there are all these additional hurdles that you kind of have to overcome on route to, you know, becoming like a board certified physician, right? And so I'm glad to hear you talking about, you know, 
how you overcame the obstacles of like not passing your board exams the first time I mean like keeping up and continuing to try are there other things that you would contribute your success and kind of overcoming those hurdles beyond the support system like what other kinds of things really helped you to kind of get past that hurdle in your life right um definitely positive self-affirmations I had to talk to myself a lot and try and undo the brainwashing that I'd received during my training. And every day, just tell myself the truth of who I am. And it's probably within the last one or two years that I finally am firm in my beliefs. And it's, nobody can tell me who I am because I'm, I'm so grounded in that. If I were to talk about issues during residency that I think are common amongst Black women, I can't speak for the Black male experience, but just navigating microaggressions and feeling like an outsider or as an other, I think that's a very important area to touch on because we don't necessarily talk about it a lot. And a lot of the feedback that I've gotten from my mentees is, they just don't know how to navigate those situations because we have the stereotype, unfortunately, that we're angry Black women. So we have to, I feel like we're wearing several masks while we're in training just to be perceived as non-threatening or intelligent enough or that we are competent. So those are some themes that I've noticed as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned something a little earlier that I want to go back to this idea that you needed to kind of undo the brainwashing that right. you had experienced in training. Can you say more about that? Sure. So I think we have about 50,000 thoughts during the course of the day. And I had a lot of negative self-talk. And every day, whenever I had a thought, I had to replace it with the truth. So For example, one of my mantras, and it's also on my website, is that I have everything within myself to succeed. And just saying that over and over again, that I don't necessarily need to look outside of myself to accomplish my dreams and my goals, that everything I need. So the grit, the determination, the perseverance, the knowledge or the ability to acquire knowledge and all the skills that I need to be a physician, and not even just as a physician, but as a human being, they're all already inside of me. I just have to convince myself over and over again that that is the truth, that I already harbor those traits. Do you feel like there were things kind of inherent in the training that made you question like whether you were okay to do this? So a lot of us, we come into residency We've completed medical school, so we've gotten that certification, and then we may come into residency with a culture shock of, okay, I'm the physician, I have to make those decisions. And there's just little things that happen that can discourage Black physicians on their, their path. I'll give an example. So if you don't fit a certain mold of the type of resident that maybe the program is looking for, it does kind of put you into a box, into this territory of maybe people seeing you as other and not 
trusting you initially. So I had to do a lot of work to build that trust amongst my colleagues and faculty and staff to prove that I deserve to be in training. I didn't talk about race at work. And that was very intentional because it's a a sensitive topic. But I did find another Black resident who was my friend, and we were able to have those discussions about what was going on during our training. And it just seemed like a lot of things were subjective. So you could be doing fine, you're meeting all the milestones, and then it's kind of like an all of a sudden, Mm. uh, the environment shifts, and maybe somebody doesn't like you, and then they start building a case against you. And I've had several mentees tell me that same story of I was doing fine. And then all of a sudden, things just shifted. It's an area that I had to tread lightly and navigate because there are those repercussions that can happen if Mm -hmm. you speak up. And I think there's a lot of fear because we're in a vulnerable position we don't have the power and other people have our our future in their hands, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it's just a tough situation to navigate. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of leads me to another question, just thinking about, you know, because a lot of what you're sharing are the experiences that a lot of Black women have kind of just navigating professional circles and, you know, climbing corporate ladders and those kinds of things. And a lot of the situations we find ourselves in can actually lead to like lots of anxiety, you know, questioning yourself and really a detriment to your mental health. But then I wonder, are you also afraid of like reaching out for help? Because what does that maybe signify about your ability to continue in your program? Or is there a question of, is she fit to be a physician? Right, exactly. That's a very important point. So we're all, I think most of us are type A people. And we may have done well our whole lives and may not be comfortable asking for help because it may be seen as a weakness. But I encourage everybody, if you need help, to reach out for help. And it may not be in your medical school or your residency. It may be seeking professional help from a therapist, from your pastor, or if you have any religious beliefs, just seeking that support and having somebody who you can talk to. I did actually have a spiritual mentor during residency um, to discuss things that were going on. And just having that person who was on my side praying for me, that was very important in addition to my family. If you wanted to seek therapy, like when you're in medical school or when you're in your residency training, is that something that you are required to like share with your attendings or your medical school faculty? Or is that something that you can just pursue without the worry that somebody else will be told? You can absolutely do that without letting anybody know. The difficulty comes with our schedule. So as an OBGYN, I was up by five and then probably didn't get home until seven o'clock. So the regular hours for therapy are nine to five. So it's very difficult to, it's difficult to schedule that time. Mm -hmm. Um, In medical school, it might be a little bit easier because you automatically have weekends off for the most part. 
residency, you might be on call on the weekend. So there are some therapists that are open on the weekends. In addition, now that we have all this technology, there are apps that can maybe sustain you. So BetterHelp and also Talkspace are two that I would recommend. And you can be paired up with a licensed therapist and you can chat with them once a week. And I think that's important to just check in with somebody um, frequently and not have a reactive mindset where, okay, now I'm in such a deep, <laughs> dark place. Now I'm going to seek help. It's more of a maintenance therapy. Just like if somebody had a chronic condition, they're going to take their medication or blood pressure or what have you, you're maintaining that treatment so that you are less likely to get into dark place in the future. And it also seems like there are some things just kind of inherent in the process of training for to become a physician that also like don't work best with your mental health, like the the long shifts, Absolutely. right? And the disturbances <laughs> to sleep and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it is really important to kind of be mindful of, you know, like the impact. And of course, I mean, you're studying medicine, so you know how all of that impacts you, but it's kind of a part of what the job calls for. So what Absolutely. kinds of things helped you to kind of manage your mental health um, during that training? And what kind of suggestions would you offer to other either students or physicians in training? Sure. That's a good question. I used to be very reactive, meaning, oh man, I don't feel so great. So now I'm going to do all these things. And then I shifted my perspective to having a list. I call it my arsenal. I have a whole list of things that I can try when I'm not feeling all that great. And it's my wellness list. So listening to music, I love Afrobeats and gospel music, talking to family, physical exercises at the top as well. And my spiritual health is, is also up there. Making sure I'm getting enough exercise during the week because you're releasing those feel-good hormones as much sleep as I can get, I if I have to have a choice between eating and sleeping, I'm going to choose sleep because when I feel rested, I know I can focus, I have the energy, and I'll worry about the food part later, which is it's also kind of sad, but um, <laughs> I think that's important. Other things that I like to do is physically removing myself. So this was during training. I would go to New York City and visit my sister so that I'm not necessarily in the same city as where I'm training. It's a change of environment and interacting with people who I love and care about. That definitely reset my, my mood and my perspective. So those are just a few things on my list that I go to first that have really helped me during my training. And you already talked a little bit about some of the microaggressions. And I know some of what we've seen in our community from the physicians talk about microaggressions they experience even from patients, right? So patients not acknowledging them as a physician in the room or, you know, saying like, let me speak to your supervisor or something like that, mm -hmm. which I think, and this is the, the, the inherent nature of microaggressions, right? Is that it leaves you questioning like, well, what is this about? Like, is this because right. I'm black? Is it because I'm a woman? You you know, like, Absolutely. what is this about, right? And so can you talk just about, like, how you've maybe been able to, like, lean on other women to kind of get some support for those microaggressions, or how have you handled those? I think that's a good point. So the thing about microaggressions is that you question, am I crazy? And having somebody that you can 
bounce off the situation to is very helpful. So I talked about my friend and we talk about the different situations that we we're going through. And that really helped to, to validate my experience and validate her experience. And then over time with Instagram, I was able to find a lot of other Black OBGYNs and other specialties that I could reach out to and also validate myself. So I think that's such a powerful tool to find other Black female physicians that look like you and are going through the same training process and you don't feel so alone. Yeah, I mean, and I'm glad that you mentioned being able to connect with people from Instagram and other social media, right? Because again, you know, sometimes you find yourself as one of a few or if not the only, right, in your programs. So being able to connect with other people who may have similar experiences, I think is really important. That's one of my passions. So I started in 2018, March 2018, a mentorship program that's definitely grown over the years where I am matching women who are Black and Latinx who are pursuing a path towards being a U.S. physician with current physicians who are also Black and Latinx. So it's a huge undertaking, but I definitely feel lots of fulfillment from doing it because a lot of people that come and talk to me on Instagram a common theme was I don't have a mentor. And I just think that's so unfortunate because we have so much advice to give. And most of my advice is based on things that I didn't do correctly. And I think we have a lot of powerful tools within our community to guide those that are coming behind us. Yeah, I mean, and you were talking earlier about how, you know, some of your mentees have expressed kind of getting to this certain place in their program and then like everything changes. And my guess is that some of that is because there probably are not a lot of people who look like us making the decisions, right? And so even though, you know, of course, all skin folk ain't kin folk, kind of like they say, right? (laughs) But I, I do think it adds to the variety of perspectives in the room, right? And so, you know, there are more people at the table to be able to weigh in on decisions about trainees and things like that. But if there are not a lot of people who look like us, then there's not even a chance for maybe that context to enter the situation. Absolutely. And just to give some numbers behind that, of the 1.1 million active physicians, only 2% are Black female physicians. So we're just pretty much sprinkled out there. So it's tough to find that support but when you find it, definitely latch on to that person and they can make your experience a lot better. I was not aware that that number was so small. I think because well, I went to Xavier um, yeah. University of Louisiana. So a lot of you know my classmates and colleagues are Black women and they graduated with me and now they're physicians. Right. And I'm also very intentional about like having an all-Black woman medical team, but I live in Atlanta, <laughs> so it's easier to oh, do yeah. that, right? So I was not aware that that number was so small. So yeah, that, it, that does mean that there definitely are not a lot of you. And then when you do find someone who you can... And, you know, have a supportive relationship, it it seems like it becomes that much more critical. Right. Absolutely. 
But I think the other part of that, though, is is that because there are so few of you, then even though your heart may be in mentoring, that is an additional thing now that you're adding to all of your busy schedule, right? And so, you know, even I've heard Black women professors in the medical schools talk about like the burden. Of course, you know, many of them love to do it, but it is an additional thing that their colleagues are not doing that adds to the workload. Absolutely. I don't even know how many mentees I have, but between college and residency, I probably had 300 that I can kind of give a ballpark. And even there was a three-week period recently where I had an enrollment of 200 new, 250 new mentees. So it's so hard to keep up, but that need is there. It's definitely there. Mm-hmm. So are there things that you can think about in terms of like just the medical school training? Like, are there suggestions or things you've already thought like, oh, if they added these kinds of things or included this kind of stuff, it could be a better situation for Black women who are in training? Mm. This is a tough question because I'm only reflecting on what I went through. Yeah. But I think just, okay, I think having maybe summits or meetings that aren't through a school or not affiliated with a school, kind of like a sister circle where we can share that knowledge without the fear of repercussions. So like an anonymous meeting, it sounds so weird, but that's the idea that I have. And that's how I meet with a lot of people because I don't necessarily want it to be through an institution or anything. I just mm-hmm. want to impart that knowledge so they can go out and, and thrive. So if there's a way of making it less like under the table, <laughs> that mm-hmm. would be great. But I think that's where we are right now, just imparting that knowledge, like pulling people to the side. Like I see another sister, she's, she's coming behind me and I pull her to the side and I have a talk with her like this Mm -hmm. is how this is how things are this is how things are gonna go like just not a warning but just yeah like just letting people know right like that I'm here you know that if there are things that come up that I can be a resource potentially exactly yeah so are there not um like organizations or associations that exist that would help with something like this like is there like an organization of like national black women physicians or national black physicians or something like that? Are there organizations that exist that might be able to help with some of this that you've been a part of or know there of? Certainly, there certainly are. So one of the ones um, is SNMA and they have frequent meetings and it's specifically for minority students who are on their path to becoming physicians. And that's an excellent resource. Um, even if you go through the women's associations, I'm sure you can find people in our community within those larger organizations. Um, a lot of it is doing your own research. And like I said before, I found people through Instagram. So even if you don't find somebody through those large umbrella organizations, using social media and connecting with people, there are a lot of people, a lot of mentees that I've met in person just from them reaching out to me through Instagram. So if I'm in a city that's near them, we might meet up and have a chat. But there are definitely organizations that exist, but having that organic relationship, I think it takes an extra step 
part of the person in training to find somebody who can really look out for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and you know, all we've talked about is, or a lot of what we talked about is like having to take these extra steps, but we've also talked about like how grueling your schedule is, right? And right. so you can see how sometimes, you know, people are really probably just silently struggling because they don't feel like they have the time to reach out and find all of these extra resources. Absolutely. Yeah. So are there any books or other resources that you have found particularly helpful on your journey that you'd like to share? I love all Brene Brown books. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one that I enjoyed is Braving the Wilderness, yeah. The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. That was a very good one. Um, the second one is called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. It's by Angela Duckworth. And then another one. So another issue is setting boundaries and just being clear as to what you will and will not take. So there's a book called Boundaries, When to Say Yes, How to Say No, to Take Control of Your Life by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. So I think those three books are a good starting point for people. Um, Of course, you can listen to podcasts. There's a podcast for everything. So I definitely learn a lot from doing that. Um, And a lot of empowerment podcasts I listen to. So there's a lot of resources out there. Podcasts might actually be better, especially on those drives to and from work. Mm -hmm. Um, During the downtime at work, you may not be able to read a physical book. Right. But you could do like an audio book or some of these podcasts that you're exactly. talking about. Yeah. Exactly. So I want to go back because you mentioned the boundaries and that is not something we talked about, about what that looks like while you are a physician or becoming a physician, because there are a lot of demands, of course, made on your time and your resources. So what kinds of things have been helpful to you in setting boundaries? Sure. So after my intern year, I did a reflective process And I noted that I was taking a lot of work home, so dictating and just a bunch of busy work that I would take home. So I made the decision, I'm not going to take work home unless it's an emergency. And I actually kept that through the last part of my residency training. And even now as an attending physician, I don't take work home. It's difficult because you may have to spend a little extra time at work. But just setting that cutoff of when I come through the door of my home, that's my safe space and work is not going (laughs) to penetrate into my home and kind of spill over and overflow. And having that boundary has definitely made my home life a bit more peaceful. That also includes talking about work at home. It's very limited now. And some things, so if you have a difficult patient or a difficult case, that may require a little bit more time to think and reflect. But I really try not to bring that into my home. So if I were to talk to a professional about it, that would probably be a better avenue than um, maybe burdening family with that information. I love that you have kind of set very kind of clear cutoffs for your time. And like, this is what happens here. And, you know, when you can compartmentalize like that, sometimes it definitely is easier. Right. And something I haven't shared. So the last week of my intern year, unfortunately, my, my husband passed away and 
that was a, a sudden shock and has definitely made me reflect a lot on how I want my life to be in the future. That's definitely shaped the boundaries that I set for my life now. So I'm very protective of my time with my family and my own personal time to take for myself. So I don't feel bad when I have to say no to people. I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned over the course of the last almost five years since he passed. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So where can we connect with you, Dr. Adensi? You mentioned a website, so share your website, please, as well as any social media handles that you'd like to share. Sure. The website is lifebytosin, L-I-F-E-B-Y-T-O-S-I-N.com. And then on Instagram, same, same handle, lifebytosin. And then I do have a Twitter that I'm trying to, you know, get with the kitties, get with the millennials um, to use. And it's the same handle, Life by Tosin. So you can find me there too. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm so glad Dr. Odensi was able to share her expertise with us today. To learn more about her and to check out the resources that she shared, be sure to visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 146. And please remember to share this episode with two people in your circle. And don't forget to share your takeaways with us on either Twitter or in your IG stories using the hashtag TBG in session. If you're searching for a therapist in your area, be sure to check out the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic and meet some other sisters in your area, come on over and join us in the Yellow Couch Collective, where we take a deeper dive into the topics from the podcast and just about everything else. You can join us at therapyforblackgirls.com slash YCC. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.